0: and welcome to the Resound Church Podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. How you going, you all right? Excellent, excellent. Well, my name's Mason, if you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here at Resound. It's good to see you all. You all look handsome, pretty, beautiful, all that good stuff this morning. Yes, you do, Colin, don't shake your head. You look handsome this morning which is good. Uh, we're continuing our, our uh, series this morning on Hebrews. I get to do Hebrews chapter 10 and 11. And really, Hebrews chapter uh, 10, 11, and 12 are the peak of the book of Hebrews. It's like, if you're going to hear a message ordinarily on a normal week from the book of Hebrews, it's probably going to be in chapters 10, 11, or 12. It really is a smorgasbord of uh activity in those three chapters and there's so much content and information and directions that you could go um, it's like it's just good it's like KFC good it's like meat, uh, meat chips and and bread good it's like any Asian food good it's MSG good it's just good um anyone else enjoying prayer and fasting I oh, yeah. it's just good you know Mitch, had chapter seven, and he did an amazing job at chapter seven. But chapter seven, you can it's only about the order of Melchizedek, you can't go anywhere else. It's just there's just one direction. But this, uh, these two chapters, there's, there's a lot, and so I'm, I'm just going to uh, essentially this morning, we're just going to read passages of, of the scripture and we're going to talk about them. That would be called preaching. And so nothing different this morning, we're just going to read through them and talk about them. But could you pray with me this morning, and then hopefully by the end, the Lord will do what only He can do. Lord, we just come before You this morning, Uh, we open our hearts to Your Word, Jesus, and we just... Pray that it would transform us, Jesus, that we would leave our preconceived ideas and we would lay them down at the door right now, Lord God, uh, and we would allow you to speak to us, to change us, to move us, Jesus. We open our hearts to you. Lord, would you leave us back to everlasting life? In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen, amen. Amen. Right, well, we'll start in chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 to 18 are talking about the law um, and the sacrificial system, which we heard a little bit about last week. Um, I want to just read to you very quickly the first four verses of Hebrews chapter 10. The first four verses of Hebrews chapter 10, it says this, The law is only a shadow. Someone say, Shadow? of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never be the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sin. Get this, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. I need to read that again. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Now, in our Western context, that doesn't, make, that doesn't have huge amounts of significance because we don't really have context for animal and blood sacrifice in our culture. So it can seem a little bit gross, even a little bit weird, like, why, like some of us pump, Thousands of dollars into our dog, and here they are raising animals to sacrifice them. And so we don't, we can kind of not really understand what's happening here. But you have to understand that he is writing to people where this was a part of their culture. In fact, they were commanded to by God um, do obey the law and go through the sacrificial system for the covering of their sins. What the writer is trying to get across to the people, to his readers, and what he is trying to get across to us today is that the law and the sacrificial system can never take away sin. Never. It never once did, and it still doesn't today. And so the question you have to ask yourself is, why do it in the first place? The reason they did it in the first place is, Do you think Dolly did a good job? How good was Dolly this morning? Dolly actually said something pretty significant, is that all through the Old Testament, it is a foreshadowing of pointing to Jesus. She said that Jesus has always been God's plan, which is correct, because in Revelation it says, before the foundation of the earth, the Lamb of God was slain for the sins of the world. And so what is the sacrificial system? What is the law? It is a foreshadowing and an illumination to the people that they needed a Messiah, right? And the sacrificial system covered their sin as they waited for the Messiah, covered their sin. You know the profound thing about covering something? When you cover it, it doesn't actually take it away. I know that's crazy revelation for for many of you, like Jordan Peterson could do a six-hour lecture on it, but I'll save you some time and just tell you this. You can cover a window with a curtain. The window's still there. You can cover your body with clothes. Your body's still there. And even, get this, you can even cover your head with a hat. You could. Your head is still there. And so what the writer is saying, hey, these things, if it had the power to cleanse and take away sin, you wouldn't have to continually repeat the sacrifices time after time, after time, after time again, because the sacrificial system was to cover their sin until the Messiah came. In the Genesis account of the creation and the fall of man, we see, we can assume that there's two types of blood that are spilt. Remember what Dolly said, it's all pointing to Jesus. and the Genesis account of creation and the fall of man, we can see that there's two types of blood spilled. You know the first type of blood that's spilled? God sees Adam. God loves Adam. And out of his love for Adam, he says it's not good for man to be alone. So he puts Adam to his sleep. He cuts Adam's side. He takes a rib and it brings life in the form of Eve. Blood was assumedly spilt as God took a rib and brought Eve. The blood that was spilt from the first Adam brought life. Then mankind rebels, sins against God, chooses independence from God, and in God's mercy, He slays an animal and uses the skin to what? To cover their shame. What is this pointing to? This is pointing to the law, the sacrificial system, and the second Adam that is to come. Right, So when the sacrificial system was introduced, that was the mercy of God to cover people's sin until the second Adam came to cleanse and take away sin entirely. Because the blood of Jesus is not like the blood of bulls and goats. It does not cover. It brings life and cleanses and takes away completely once and for all our sin. So you might say, well still Mason, all this stuff is weird to me. The sacrificial system, the blood sacrifice—you can still ask why. And it's a fair question to ask, right? When we talk about this stuff, it's not in our culture. It's a fair question to ask why. Well, the most, the safest answer you can have is because God is who He is, and He asks for what He asks for. <laughs> That's the safest answer that we can have. But I'll give you a slightly different answer. It's because God is holy. He's holy. He's utterly unique, totally set apart, all pure, all powerful. Nobody comes close to him. There's nobody above him, nobody underneath him, nobody beside him. He is in a league of his own. He is completely and utterly holy. He is pure. He is, you could say, the purest of lights. God is the purest of lights. So when we sinned and rebelled against God, we were then thrust into You could say darkness, right? And darkness in the presence of light perishes. Darkness in the presence of light perishes. Not because light is bad, but because light is light. The wages of our rebellion and our sin against God as humanity is death. Not because God is bad, but because he is so good. Because he is so good, the two cannot coexist You walk into a dark room, you turn a light on, what happens? The light, the darkness, perishes. It's gone. It is the way it is because of who God is. The wages of our rebellion and our sin were death. But get this, it was his mercy that created a system to cover our sin. But it was his love for you and I that sent his only son to cleanse it completely. So that why? so that we could step out of our darkness and into light, and we could live in his presence again, which is why you and I were created, to live in his presence. Is somebody thankful that Jesus does not just cover our sin, does not just mask it up, does not just do it, but we have a way. He has made a way for us to be set free completely, completely. Watch this at the end of In verses 14 to 18, it says this, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That's you and I, perfect forever perfect forever. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. And he says, this is the prophet Jeremiah. This is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my law in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, their sins and lawless acts, I will remember no more. And where there has been forgiven, where, (laughs) sorry, And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. This is a huge revelation to the people that he's writing to. They're going back, trying to go back, trying to get something tangible. He's saying, listen, the sacrifice of sin is no longer needed because God paid for it once and for all. His perfect blood sacrifice of the second Adam brought life, brought cleansing and brought wholeness to you and I. So let me ask you something. For those who have come to God in faith, and we will talk about what faith means in a second, but those who have come to God in faith, meaning faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God, meaning we have heard the testimony about Jesus and we have applied faith and trust in Him and His sacrifice and we have come to Him with the belief in our heart and the confession of our mouth that He is Lord. Right? When we come to those who are have come to Jesus in faith. Let me ask you a question. What condemnation is there for you? What pain, what sin, what hurt of the past, what mistake have you made that the blood of Christ has not covered? What condemnation is there in you, brother? What condemnation is there for you, sister? For I tell you, there is no condemnation found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Stop crucifying yourself over the mistakes of your past. He was already crucified. He is already forgiven. For the word says in Hebrews that he remembers their transgressions no longer. So you and I can come to Jesus with boldness this morning. Those who are in faith in Christ, you need to understand your past has been forgiven. Stop letting it stop you from what he is calling you into, into your future. Is somebody thankful for all that Jesus did this morning? And then I love it because in, then, in verse 9, 19, he starts it by saying, therefore. Therefore. I love a good therefore. Everybody needs a good therefore in their life. Which means this that all that we've been talking about up to now has simply been trying to get people to understand that Jesus is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. That there is no other way to come to the Father except for through Him, because every other way is futile. You know, in verse 4, where it says, "The the, the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin, you can add pretty much any vice you want in there. It cannot take away sin. For we believe as a church, we believe as Christians, that Jesus is the way, He is the truth, He is the life. And nobody comes to the Father except for through Him. And those who believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's what we believe. We're not universalists. We don't believe there's many ways to heaven. We believe there is one way. There is one truth. There is one life. And His name is Jesus. And everything else is, 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 doesn't work. That's what he's trying to get these people to understand. That's what you and I need to understand this morning. Nothing else works. It's only Jesus. And when we understand that, then he says, therefore. Why? Because you and I are, never spo- are not supposed to live our Christian life running always towards that place. Always working out, oh, am I saved? Am I not saved? Is it true? Did he do this? Did he really do this? Did that really happen for me? Am I, and you keep going back to your past and thinking about, we were never supposed to live like that. The revelation of what Christ has done in his blood, we are not supposed to live towards that. We are supposed to live from that. So he's saying, therefore, now that we've established all that Christ has done for you, Then he says this. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, that's what he's talking about, by the blood of Jesus, since all he has done, we have confidence by a new living way, by a new living way, opened for us through the curtain, that is His body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere hearts and with full assurance that faith, full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilt from our guilty conscious, uh, conscious. Sorry, I don't have my glasses. I'm like struggling, um, and having our body washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to hope, the hope we profess. For He who promised is faithful, and get this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing so, but encouraging one and that, another all the more as we see the day approaching. He's saying, therefore, if you've come to Jesus in faith, great. We live from that place. We can have confidence to approach God. We don't approach God as enemies of God now. We approach God as sons and daughters of God. We can approach Him with confidence. And so he's saying, hey, now that you are being saved and set free in Christ, approach God with confidence. Come with Him. Draw near to Him. He wants a relationship with you. That's why you were created. Pray. Commune. Be with your creator. Be with God. And then interesting enough, he says this. He says, don't forsake the gathering as some are in the habit of doing so. He's talking about a public gathering and it's very safe to assume he's talking about the church. Don't forsake the gathering of saints as some are in the habit of doing so. Why? Because church and community is the context for spiritual growth. It is. You can't find in there anywhere where it says, you know, grow solo. Just do it. Do it by yourself. Church is the context for spiritual growth. And I'm talking about community. I'm talking about our gatherings on Sunday. I'm talking about small groups. I'm talking about all that. Being in this community and gathering with one another, gathering with our brothers and sisters, gathering with those who profess the same thing, Uh, that we profess, that is the context in which you will grow spiritually and you will grow into maturity. You cannot grow outside of the context of community. Why? Because iron sharpens iron. So he says, don't give up. Don't give up. And then he says this, let us consider. Right? Just before this, he says, let us consider how we can spur each other on. That's our responsibility let us consider. So don't forsake the gathering and then when we gather, let us consider how we can spur each other on. Which means this, imagine if all of us took five minutes as we drove into church, every time we drove into church, every time we came into community, every time we met with a small group, every time we went out to to coffee, every time we came together as a community. Imagine if for five minutes, you just turned the radio off, turned all the noise off and you considered how you could spur somebody else on. Imagine the church community you would have when all of a sudden you meeting here in in a church context and in a church community isn't about yourself, but is about how you can spur other people on. All of a sudden, the music doesn't matter so much. All of a sudden, who's preaching doesn't matter so much. All of a sudden, our personal preferences and style preferences don't matter so much because we're not here for ourselves. We're here, first and foremost, to honor and Give praise to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who has cleansed this completely and set us free, but also to spur one another on in good deeds and in good works, to encourage each other, to stand with each other, and to pray. Can you imagine if everyone, if our whole church, every time just took five minutes as they come and said, Let's consider as a family, let's consider as a couple, let me consider in and of myself how I can spur people on in good deeds? Church is the context in which we grow spiritually. There's a principle in the Bible that what you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. So the crazy thing is as you spur people on in their faith, in their good deeds, you are actually being renewed and stirred on yourself. It's how it works. Try it. Try encouraging someone and spurring someone on in their faith and see how it makes you feel. It is the context in which we grow spiritually spiritually. And it's the responsibility of each and every one of us to consider how we can spur each other on, how we can pray for each other, how we can believe for each other. Because if we don't, and we forsake the meeting of saints, the next verses straight under this gives us an idea of what could happen. If you and I don't consider when we come into the church how we can spur each other on, the next verses underneath this give us an idea of what could happen, right? So let's read the verses just straight under this. It says this in 26, it says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left, but only a fearful expectation of the judgment and of raging fire that, the, that will consume the enemies of God heavy. (laughs) It's a heavy verse. In the context and in the parallel uh, passages and what we understand, this is talking about people who fall away from Jesus. Remember, he's writing to people that are going back to an old sacrificial system. They're saying, no, we have to go back and keep sacrificing animals for the forgiveness of our sins and all that kind of stuff. So he is saying, if you go back, there is no forgiveness of sin anymore. He's not talking about people who profess Jesus and continue with Jesus. He's talking about people who fall away from God, who reject Jesus, who reject who he is, who reject his blood, who reject the sacrifice and go back to their old way of living. He's saying there is no uh, forgiveness of sin when it comes into that situation. If you've rejected the blood of Christ, there's no more forgiveness for sins. That's what he's saying. But because he puts it straight underneath the gathering of the saints, Many scholars believe he is making a parallel between the people who are abandoning the gathering of the saints and what they are actually doing, which is rejecting Jesus completely. Which means this, the best chance that we have to continue to follow Jesus, to continue to spur our faith on, to continue to do the things that he has called us to do is when we remain in community with one another. When we remain in community with one another. Verse 36, and then he says this, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised for in just a little while, he who is coming will not delay and by my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed but to those who are, have faith and are being saved. He says this, he says, you and I need to persevere in our faith. In what faith? The faith that we profess, the belief in our heart and the confession of our mouth that Jesus is who he says he is. You and I are to persevere, to continue to persevere. Persevering doesn't mean giving up. It means persevering. It means to keep going. The same Greek word here used for persevere is the same Greek word used in James chapter one, when he says, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, for your trials are building perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may become whole and complete, lacking nothing. Persevere to continue to go, to stay under pressure and to continue to believe God to stay under pressure and continue to believe God, to persevere. Do you know, um, when I first got married, I, um, you know, this thing happens when you get married, you kind of stop working out. Yes, You just eat whatever you want because you've won. Like for me, when I married Jess, I was like, I was like, I've won. Like, I, I, I've won. There's nothing else I could ever want in life. Like, I have won. I don't need to go to the gym. I don't need to eat healthy. I don't need to do any of that anymore. I've won. I've won the greatest prize on the face of the planet, which is my wife. I've won. I don't need anything. But then you kind of, you know, a funny thing happens. You get unhealthy. <laughs> and you just get unhealthy. You get sluggish. You get lazy. And I remember I was like, Jess, that's it. Now I'm, I'm done. I'm getting healthy. And I have this like conversation with myself at least every 12 months. Somewhere along the line, it'll come up and I'm like, nah, I'm motivated. I'm, I'm getting healthy. That's it, I'm getting healthy. Now, my wife is one of the greatest encouragers I've ever met in in my life. She just likes to encourage. She'll get on board. I'm like, babe, I'm getting healthy. She's like, oh my gosh. Yes, you are getting healthy. You are gonna look like you are gonna be the best looking guy out there. This is gonna be amazing. What are you gonna do? I'll help you. I'll do it with you. I'll do it with you. I was like, oh, I think I'm gonna run. And she was like, okay, let's run. I'll run with you. The thing about my wife is that She's, for some reason, can be as lazy as me, but she somehow, like, keeps this base level of fitness that is always just more than me. Like, I feel like I'm still recovering from the birth of our second child. And she, I'm like a chocolate bar deep in the office and she sends me a photo like, workout number one, done for the day. I'm like, number one? How many are you doing? Mind you, I'm still recovering. But I... Carried the heavy load and that. I didn't really. She did, but anyway. So she, so she's just like, I'll go with you, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess, yeah, you come with me. But I know that she's just gonna be better. But she's encouraging, so you know, I dust off the sneakers and I. Put some shorts on, which I hadn't worn shorts in a long time, and like, come on, we're gonna run around the block, around our block where we lived. It was just two Ks. I'm like, I can do two Ks. That's easy. Don't worry about me. I've got two Ks. About 500 meters in, I sounded like Darth Vader coming down the road. and I was like oh my gosh this is harder than I thought is something wrong with the air what's the elevation level up in here because I can't breathe I don't even remember it being this hard to breathe and my wife's just so encouraged she's like you've got this M-A-S-O-N he's our man if he can't do it no one can ah ow She's just like, come on, you can do it. I'm like, babe, I think I've got to stop. I actually think I've got to stop. I think I'm dying. She's like, no, you can do it. You've got this, just keep going. I'm like, no, I'm serious. I think I'm going to stop. And then she does what is the most uh, insulting thing that someone can do to a man who's on a run. She turns around and starts running backwards. Come on, you got this. You can do it. Just keep moving. Just keep moving. I'm like, oh my God, I can't breathe. And you're so beautiful. But I kind of hope you fall over because I, this is not good. And she's like, come on, you've got this. Just keep running. Doesn't matter how slow you're going. Just keep moving. Just keep running. One foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. I kid you not, the whole way for like a K and a half, she ran backwards. Come on, keep going. One foot in front of the other. One foot in front. Of the come on, keep going, keep going. And I'm pleased to say that I made it. Yeah. And there you go. Thanks for the clap. Barely, but I made it. That's perseverance. Keep running. Well, I can't. There's too much pain. And this is happening. And this hasn't come through. And this is and this is what's happened. And I can't. And I feel like giving up. Keep running, but I'm going slow. But I'm not moving as fast as this person. I'm not going as fast as that. Keep running, church. Keep running. Doesn't matter how slow you're going. Doesn't matter how fast you're moving. Doesn't matter about any of that. One foot in front of the other. Keep shuffling. Keep moving. Keep going. Keep trusting. But it's hard. I know it's hard. But the world hates me. I know Jesus said they would. Keep running. Keep moving. You know, as we move, into the future in our society, I think the message of perseverance is going to become more and more and more important. As our world leaves biblical values behind, as our world uh, would look upon the church, would look upon the Bible, and the truth that it has and the words that it says, As they continue to do that and we continue to go further and further away from the world, I think the message of perseverance is going to become more and more important. And so I want to keep saying, keep running so that in the future at some time when you feel like you need to give up, you'll just hear my voice in your head, keep running, keep running, keep moving. You do not belong to ones who shrink back, but ones who move forward, keep running, keep moving. You know what I worked out? I read the book of Revelation. And then I was like, here we go. And the date Jesus is coming back is, no. Nah. read the book of Revelation. You know the biggest thing you get out of the book of Revelation? You know, and we all know, there's a thousand different doctrines on how it's going to happen this, that, all that. kind. You know what I worked out is the ones who make it to heaven, the ones that uh, make it into glory, are not the smartest. Not the ones who did the most. Are not the ones who, you know, read the most or served the most or did any of that. The ones that make it to heaven and make it into glory are simply the ones that didn't give up. Because if you give up, you win. I mean, if you don't give up, (laughs) rewind. If you don't give up, you win. Don't give up. Endure. Push through. Keep running. Keep running. You don't belong to those who shrink back. Keep running. The band can come back. I'm I'm almost done. And can you believe we're not even in chapter 11 yet? (laughs) That's why I said it was too much. It was too much. Anyway, chapter 11, verse one. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. I've got a quote from N.T. Wright. If the quote's there, do you wanna put the quote up? Amazing, this is N.T. Wright. He's an English uh, theologian, Bible scholar. He says, faith is looking at God and trusting him for everything while hope is looking at the future and trusting God for it. This is in his book, Hebrews for Everyone. Faith is looking at God and trusting him for everything, while hope is looking at the future and trusting God for it. Faith is concerned with the now. Hope is concerned with what is to come. Faith is concerned with the now. I'll ask you a question that I asked not that long ago, that how is your faith? Are you persevering in your faith to believe God for things today? to believe God for things now. For when we put our faith in Jesus, we look to Him and believe Him for our immediate circumstances, for what's happening today, for what's happening right now. For when we walk out of this place, we we apply faith that God will give us the food that we need, that He will provide for us, that we're putting faith in the now. But also, how's your hope? Because the two can be broken. But hope is looking at the future and trusting God for it. Looking at the future. The future of what? The future of your life, the future of your family, the future of your kids, the future of your grandkids, the future of the church, the future of our world. Not only is it for you to look at the future and say, man, it's gonna be good when I get to heaven one day. But also we look, we need a theology that looks to the future and hope for the church and hope for our kids and hope for each other. Now, there are a thousand different directions that this message could take at this point. But for some reason, I've really just had pressed on my heart um, the last few weeks is like faith for our kids Faith for all of those kids who are up in kids' church now. Faith for your grandkids. Faith for your children, whether they walk with Jesus or not. And I think, you know, the world can look pretty dim at times. But I think we need to apply hope. We're believing in the God for our now and our situation. But I think we need to apply hope for the future, for the future generations. You know what my prayer is for every single kid up in that kid's church room who are learning about God, who are learning values, is that every single one of them will be found in the house of the Lord all the days of their life. That's the hope. That every single one of them, that your grandkids, that your children, that your children's children, that God's face would shine upon them, that his hand of favor would be upon them. That his hand of favor and blessing would find them. And that they would be found in the house of the Lord all the days of their life. Jesus, we believe for it. You know, Hebrews chapter 11, they call it the hall of faith. Because it's just like bang. Bang, this person by faith, this person by faith, this person by faith, this person by faith. And they all persevered and they all got through and they all applied faith to their circumstances in their situations. And he's the writer of Hebrews is dropping the hammer and he's like, this person by faith, this person by faith. He's saying, you think you need material things like the sacrificial system? It's not about any of those things. It's about faith. It's about faith in the God that we serve. And faith comes by hearing. You've heard the message about Jesus And we apply faith and hope to all of those situations. But every single one in in Hebrews chapter 11 had a word from God for their life. Had a word for God, from God, for their life. When God creates, the way God creates is He speaks. We see this in Hebrews chapter, just underneath in Hebrews chapter 11, you can read it. It says, by faith, we believe that God created, spoke and the universe was created. And so when God speaks, He creates. So you and I, we together need a word from God that we can apply faith to and hope to in our life. And so at the end of this service, what we're gonna do is if that's you and you need a word from God, Maybe you need a refreshing for, word from God. Maybe you have one when you're younger and, you're like, and you can't remember or whatever. It's like, oh, oh, you need a word from God. Then we're just gonna stand, we're gonna pray. God, would you speak to them? Would you give them a word? All of these people had a word from God. And he's saying this, you and I are people of faith, which means we need to hear God speak to us that so we can apply faith to it, We can apply hope to it, And we can move. Some of you have forgot how to hear the voice of God. Some of you may have never heard the voice of God. You know, the crazy thing is, you know, all of these people in Hebrews chapter 11, and I, you know, they didn't have a Bible. And so, believe, I mean, I don't know if it comes across or not, but I love the Bible. I'm like, uh, the Scriptures are the, are Everything. And it's the primary way that God speaks to us. It is. It's the primary way that He speaks to His children now. His he, written Word and, and, I, and I believe it and and fight for it and will fight for it till the day that I die, no matter what happens and all that kind of stuff in persevere. So I believe in it. But do you know what? God can actually speak to you personally as well. Primarily, He'll speak through His Word, but He can speak to you. Speak to you through somebody else. Speak to you to a deep conviction in inside of you. It's like a conviction. It's a feeling. It's a knowing. He can speak to you. You can feel His presence. You know, there's two types of the presence of God. There's the presence of God that's omnipresent. It's always here. It's where David says, there in the highest heights you are there in the lowest, lowest you are there. But there is a tangible presence of God that you can feel as well. He wants to encounter you. He wants to speak to you. He speaks through your thoughts, speaks through your feelings. You, You can feel Him. He's an impression on your heart. He can also speak in an audible voice, but it is rare. So as a rule, if you're hearing voices in your head, go to the hospital. <laughs> just double check, double check, double check. And he wouldn't speak anything that's against his word. Bible even says, even if an angel rocks up and tells you something against his word, that it's, they're from the darkness. It's not what you think it is. But he can speak to you. And so it's just really feel like today that I want to, Pray for people. If if that's you, you need a word from God or a refreshing from God, then you know at the end of the service we're going to open up the front and we're just going to we'll just pray for people. You know the band can sing. We'll pray for people. We'll take some time if that's you, and uh, we'll pray for you. Before we do, I just want to read one last thing right at the end of chapter eleven. To you, it says this that in, in verse thirty nine it says. Uh, These were all commended for their faith. So all of these people just by faith, by faith this person, by faith this person, by faith this person. Then he says this right at the end. These were all uh, commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So what we need to understand is that we need to have a vision and a hope that goes beyond our goes beyond ourselves. So none of these people saw the completion of what uh, God was doing in their life. They passed away before it happened. And so when God gives you dreams and gives you things, we have to have a theology that says, hey, I am part of the body. I am one puzzle piece to the greater picture. Which means this, you and I can't afford to give up. But I failed, but I'm in pain. But I, you have, We can't afford to give up. Why? Because we are one part of the body and we need to function for the other parts of the body. We are one part of the puzzle piece to the great plan and great picture of God redeeming the world to Himself. You have to persevere. We have to persevere. We don't belong to those who shrink back and not to steal ch- chapter 12, but we are surrounded by those, a great cloud of witnesses. We are surrounded by those who did not shrink back who persevered, even when they didn't see it, even when they did. And thank God they did, for they brought apart, paved the way for the Saviour of the world to come to us today. We have to understand that this is not about us. We are part of a greater picture of what God is painting. And so are you important? Absolutely. Do you need to keep going? Absolutely. But we need a, th- a theology that understands that we are part of a puzzle piece and we must keep going. So let us consider how we can encourage one each other, how we can move forward. Why? Because what we're doing today lays the foundation for the kids who are in kids church tomorrow. So Keep running. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.